Good morning, Dr. Andrew. Hi, Dr. Mick. How are you going? Mate, I am great. If it was any better, it'd be sin. How's that? Wow, I'm really positive vibe to hear that. Do you know what that line's from? <laughs> no. Charlie Sheen on Wall Street. Uh, Greedy's yeah. good. Winning! We're winning today. <laughs> and we really are winning today um, yeah. because I've got a good story to tell. That's what we're going to talk about. Today. Yeah, sort of an impromptu one today. We're going to talk about something else, but we had some good news recently, or Andrew had some good news. And I felt that was a good story to share because um, it certainly got him, it caught him and I both by surprise, uh, but in a pleasant way. So we thought we'd fill you in on it. And the surprise is, is that, uh, or do you want to run through your story of when you first injured yourself, mate? That would have been about 12 months ago, was it? Yeah, not quite. Almost, probably about 10, coming up to 11 months ago, I did my... Um, I was going to say annual pilgrimage. It was actually only my third time going to the snow. I'm, I'm 46 years old. Maybe that's why you got injured. Yeah, I was a very late starter in taking to the Australian ski slopes. At, I think I was about 42 the first time I went. And it's a lot uh, of fun, isn't it? it? I never really got to having a lot of fun part. Right. That's what I was looking forward to on this particular time. And... Uh, so we'd gone down for the weekend to a place called Threadbow, which I'm sure many people in Australia will have heard of, if not have been there themselves. And uh, I'd lined up to get all my uh, rental gear, and as a lot of people know, that takes uh, quite a period of time on a busy Saturday morning. So I probably spent more time in the lineup getting the gear than I did on the actual slopes. So what happened? And so I've come off a lift and a person has done a right hand turn straight into me. <laughs> so it, you weren't actually skiing. I wasn't hit. even skiing. Oh, right. I was in the, I, oh, call, that's bad, it, I call it the chaos zone. Yeah. And um, I got hit, twisted my knee. I went down in a screaming heap. Did you, what, what did you feel at that time? A lot of pain. Did you feel a pop or anything? Uh, no. No, it was actually a slow knee-twisting action. So it wasn't even quick. My knees just twist, twist, twist. And it's like, ah! And I went down in a screaming heap. And it was the classic example of a total ACL rupture. Right. For a couple of minutes, I was in extreme pain. And I was lying on the ground and I had people saying, get out of the way, get out of the way. And I'm like, screw you. And you've seen this happen on TV. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, I cannot move anywhere. And then a few minutes later, all of a sudden the pain's gone down. And I was like, oh, maybe it's not too bad. It was still sore, but from a 10 out of 10, as it obviously ruptured my ACL, and that's a cruciate ligament in your knee that helps hold it together for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and then the pain started to subside. And I thought, gosh, I might, maybe it's not too bad. And uh, five minutes later, I stood up, I still had the skis on, and I could just feel something wasn't right. Yes. I was like, oh, oh, that just doesn't feel right. So there was a lack of stability there. And then the ski instructor it goes I'll, straight to the was, bar. Yeah. <laughs> Then to my other, speci- my other specialisation, yeah. upro ski. Yeah. Um, 
No, long story short, I spent the afternoon in the, the first aid bay watching a great doctor do his magic there with all of the traumas that occur. So um, a strain or torn knee ligament doesn't rate high compared to... Uh, I saw some more serious stuff. Ah, uh, well, fractured bones and concussions and people who are in a more... Uh, higher emergency scale than what I was because wow. I was like I've stuffed my knee but I could lie there and just watch what was going on. They don't on. put that part on the advertising for going to ski. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not well, hence when you sign up for the higher gear and your thread bow pass as with any ski lift pass you sign a waiver for responsibility if you read the fine print which I don't know who does or who doesn't. Anyway Got back to Sydney, went and did an MRI, total rupture of my ACL, the anterior cruciate ligament, a large tear in my lateral meniscus, and I had a grade two medial collateral strain. So pretty much I'd done the triple whammy and torn everything in the knee. So when did I see you after that? It wasn't long after, was it? Because we we treated you almost straight away. It must have been within one to two weeks. It was, yeah, and it was... From I my... probably rang you up and said, mate, I need help. Yeah, and I remember you were walking around with a brace, weren't you, at that time as well? Because you had to work. You were still trying to work. Which well, was, that's it. Which so... was inspirational in itself, mate, you know? But um... Um, I should point out that I did this on the Saturday morning. Uh, I spent all of the Saturday afternoon, um, well, I was probably in the sick bay for three or four hours waiting to see the doctor, did that. He was like, I think you've done this, but I can't be certain there's so much swelling, I need to get an MRI. They took x-rays at the ski field, no fractures, great. Um, the next day, said to my mates, look, I'm not hanging around to drive back tonight. I'm going to leave this morning to avoid the traffic. Um, and they'd given me a brace, which I paid for at Threadbow. So I had this brace on to stabilise the knee. So I drove back to Sydney on my own. Uh, and on the Monday morning, I got up and went to work. I'm just trying to imagine the drive back, you know. There's every sad song on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it certainly wasn't that. Yeah. <clears throat> wasn't wasn't like uh, <laughs> breaking up with a loved one. Yeah. Um, but certainly <laughs> I, I was. Know, I, was <laughs> yeah. I was. I was sore and sorry for myself. So came back to Sydney Monday morning. Got up and went to work. Um, yes, I was taking painkillers and anti-inflammatories to do that, yeah. and I was really uncomfortable, but I had bills to I pay. I think I saw you on that Tuesday. I think it must have been, because you were walking around and said, mate, I think I've done something serious. I think I saw you before the MRI. Possibly. Yeah, I think I did, because I was pretty concerned that you'd done the ACL. Um, so, yeah, I actually do recall that that was, that was the case. So what we did, uh, obviously what happens from my perspective in looking at you in that time was that I saw a massive amount of compensation around an injured knee, you know, so muscles had gone into spasm, you know, um, particularly uh, your hamstrings were super tight and your posterior sort of chain was all locked up and you um, had massive amounts of swelling at the front and the back of the knee. But part of, part of that would have been the cartilage tear, and part of that would have been guarding from the um, the other ligament tear on the inside of your knee as well, right? So mm -hmm. I, it looked messed up. Let's face it. It was a, it was yeah. a typical 
traumatic situation where there's soft tissue tears and your body goes into that reflexive guarding action. So from that point of view, that response is a normal, healthy response to your body having a trauma. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, and just a couple of little tests we thought, oh, yeah, there's something serious going on here. So, but what we did straight away is, um, uh, we did a little bit of acupuncture, I remember that, and I think on the knee just to bring swelling down. But most importantly, what we did was also, we started to adjust you straight away, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, so I just, we adjusted your low back, we adjusted your side joints, and we also adjusted your ankle mm-hmm. and foot, and we worked on your hip. So and and the rest of my spine, mate. yeah, and we always do that, yeah. yeah. Particularly to that injury, though, you mm. know. What I mean? But we did the whole bit, but the whole looked at your whole spine. But I remember that was part of what mm. we did. And then um, you got the information, got the MRI done, and it showed up uh, those injuries. Yeah. And so then uh, there was because you had to work, and there was other things at play. You sort of. You, you, you put off the operation for a little bit because that's what was time for you that you had to have done. Yeah, so I consulted with a very well-known, uh, whose name I won't say here, just because we're not meant to mention names on these public broadcasts, um, but he took care of the Australian Winter Olympics team because he had some photos on the wall. Um, well-known knee orthopaedic surgeon. you said he was a good guy too. You liked yeah, him. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah, he was fine, very professional yeah. and... Um, it's obviously a procedure he does every week so many times because he was very, yep, we do this and that's what's required. Let me know when you want to do it. See and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. yeah. And he confirmed he did those basic orthopedic tests, which we did. Yeah. Yep, strained ACL. Uh, sorry, ruptured ACL because he had the report. The medial ligament on the inside of the knee, he said, I think that's healing up nicely. In the couple of weeks it took for me to see him, he said, that seems to be healing nicely. That'll be fine. Um, uh, and then he explained the, the procedure for doing a knee reconstruction for a cruciate ligament. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I just I just grabbed Andrew's hand and moved it off the table because sometimes when we do the podcast, he loves to tap and the tapping comes out on the podcast. That's all. So I'm trying. I was playing handsies with him. He was wondering what I was doing. So yeah, mate. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, don't, I need to tap the seat now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And of course, to my knowledge, Mick, yeah. you rupture your ACL, as I've seen with many AFL footy players. You get a reco surgery, and you've got a couple of options there. There's the traditional hamstring tendon graft which I was prepared I was preparing myself to do in more recent times they have a thing called a Lars procedure where they put a synthetic fiber yeah Um, well they use a piece of synthetic material and they graft it on and we've seen players at a professional level I don't have too much experience in in my life with it but um, I watched uh, some of the AFL players get it done Injure the knee and eight weeks later they're back on the park playing footy. There are, I think it is a higher risk factor and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, um, to that re-rupturing. Okay, so you get back on the park a lot more quickly, but I think there's a higher risk of that graft not taking uh, to the bone 
when stressed at that high professional level. Okay. So, so what I know about it is there's sort of been an, an evolution in the reconstructions, haven't there? You mm-hmm. know, so we've gone from the uh, patella tendon to the hamstring tendon to the uh, now grafting situation. Yeah. So, uh, the downside was of the first two is that they took a bit of somewhere else. Yes. To of your body to use it as the stabilizing ligament that had been ruptured. And and. So you've got two bits of your your body that need to heal. One is the actual ligament, that that new piece of tendon, which they graft on to the thigh bone and the lower leg bone, the femur and tibia. And that needs to grow fibres and attach itself to the two ends of the bones. And then there's the tissue they took that bit of tendon off, which needs to heal because they've cut a slip of tissue out. And this is the common procedure done and here's the thing that I don't think I, I certainly saw when I was working with professional sporting teams is that I think the first two come at a cost biomechanically mm. not just to like especially okay let me explain that for them to take a part of a tendon from somewhere else and use it as the substitute tendon yeah sure you've got the scar tissue from the operation and everything else that goes with that and reattaching it but from my experience, when they take that part of that tendon, I noticed a bit of a pattern that it was starting to cause pelvic instability. So there was sacroiliac and glute medius issues following the operation that I thought were related to maybe limping, you know, mm. for a long period of time. But my conclusion was potentially that, that uh, it might have actually also been related to the fact that when they took part of the tendon out, it changed the ability of the the, the muscle, fun, the muscle to to function as it should, and it changed the angle of pull. So they said it just regrows and reattaches, but I since looked into some research after that, and mm. um, there is a possibility that after knee reconstruction, you'll end up with with the hamstring tendon, you'll end up with a chronic glute medius inhibition, mm. okay, and sacroiliac dysfunction. Mm. And I don't know about you i haven't had too many cases of that myself to be honest but i follow anyone who knows me knows i'm an afl fanatic having played that in my formative years at a reasonably high level uh and so i follow these cases closely to see how the players are recovering yeah anyone has and i think there's a high incidence my opinion is there's a high incidence of soft tissue strains and tears post-surgery because of these compensatory mechanisms yes which is what what it really is a compensatory mechanism but with what we're talking about the last procedure and i have seen a patient at work who god love him uh brad and he decided to donate a tendon to his son who had an acl rupture and so he gave his hamstring tendon to his son and guess what happened? The son had an amazing recovery mm-hmm. and he ended up pretty much RS ever since. So he developed all these new problems in his body after donating the tendon. Wow. So Interesting case study. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was fascinating. I said to Brad, geez, you're a good dad. I said, but you know... How old was the son? Son was 18, 19, and right. dad would have been late 40s. So why did dad, I'm curious, then why did dad donate a tendon? 
Uh, it's like all of us, wouldn't we, with children? You know, you think to yourself, if you can get it, it's the way it's sold is you can just donate a tendon and it will regrow. I, I think that it's not really well understood, even in, in we don't have enough research mm. to understand that by removing a tendon, that it's having these biomechanical effects mm. higher up. So this poor bloke has developed disc bulges. He's developed other things that I think are, are related to donate that t- mm. donating that tendon. So, uh, yeah, son got off great. He, he actually recovered better than I've ever seen anyone. So with the tendon replacement, I, in my clinical opinion, and I'm not an expert on it, mm. but in my clinical opinion, it seemed to work better than the uh, taking your own tendon out. Mm. Okay, so they have an injured his hamstring. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is a really interesting point uh, and something that I think that will be looked into and studied more I hope so. in time yeah. to come. So getting back to getting back to my story, Mick, let's talk more about me. I've had uh, enough about talking about <laughs> What do you think of me? <laughs> so that, and I was told the same thing. Yep, this is the process. And the only reason I didn't do it at the time is because I don't have uh, an associate here at the clinic. So there's a lot of organisation to go into. Yeah, have time me off. having a couple of weeks off. When am I going to do this? I need to get someone in for a couple of weeks because they told me I'd probably need two weeks off off work, which I was pleasantly surprised with because I thought, gee, only two weeks. That's good. I was preparing for catastrophic four or six week break or something. Anyway, um, what happened was that got delayed. I ended up seeing another orthopaedic surgeon just because my doctor said to go and see him because he went through public system um, and, and I was looking at alternatives and, and this, the first fellow I went to, very well known, but it was a high cost for the procedure. So I wanted to look at an alternative. And I went and saw a guy and then, um, yep, this is what we do. Great, heard this before. Let's mark it in for, and I was due to do it in May this year, that's 2017, 10 months after the original injury. So we got on with life, didn't we? And yeah. we've been, you've been working okay, you've been getting by okay. But what had happened, we'd been doing the podcast every couple of weeks and getting together every couple of weeks if mm-hmm. we don't do the podcast. So what happens in that time is, for the, I remember for the first uh, few months, we did do some acupuncture on different parts of your body as well as chiropractic. But that stopped after about three months, I remember, for, yeah. for me treating you. And we simply focused on adjusting each other, didn't we? And Mick, yeah. I, I should point out um, that the weeks I don't see you, yes. I see my other chiropractor who's a local here and also a good friend of mine. Yes. So I was getting adjusted every by week. my chiropractor every week and sometimes twice a week. Okay. Uh, now, there was one other ingredient to this... Uh, which I used intensively for the first six weeks. Yes. So I was doing it a couple of times a week. Yes. And then after that, sporadically, and that's a thing called cold laser or low-level laser, which is a relatively new type of technology. Uh, but I certainly did some reading and research into it. And basically what that does is it helps to promote tissue healing and repair and when it boils down to it and this is where chiropractic comes into play what is tissue tissue healing is the replacing of old dead cells with new ones 
So it's regrowing the replication of new cells in the body. You don't get sick cells healing themselves, they die, and you get new cells coming up to replace them. So you're promoting more cell, healthy cell production. That's what we're doing. So the key ingredient for me was chiropractic. The other thing I was doing every week uh, after the initial four to six weeks was exercise. And I started off very gentle on the uh, machines in the gym. And then I built it back up over a process a month. Six months later, I was back to doing my intensive cardio and doing leg weights um, on the machines. Not the, not the heavy sort of squats and deadlifts and that sort of thing, but the machine weights. Uh, and we'd done acupuncture and then later on um, a, uh, an osteopath up the road is, um, I like his acupuncture as well. I see him every other week when I'm not seeing you. Um, so chiropractic and exercise, the main ingredients I'd also had some acupuncture and cold laser, tissue healing and repair, reduce inflammatory process and stress in the body. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then probably a good diet for the most part. And um, for the mind connection, uh, for anyone out there, I do a bit of meditation and breathing exercises. No, we're not talking transcendental stuff. We're just talking 15 to 20 minutes a day or every other day to help de-stress. They were the ingredients. 10 months down the track, I'm due to do surgery. I go and see the physio across the road from my clinic and introduce myself and say, I want you guys to be my rehab people. Physio has a looks at me, does the orthopedic tests. What did he say, Andrew? He said, mate, I can't tell the difference between your two knees. (laughs) He said, this is the injured one. Yep, left one. Said, see this, your right one, tests like this. And then he showed me the left one, tests exactly the same. Even 12 months after an ACL rupture, if you've got no ACL, there's an instability there. Yeah. And he showed me the difference. So I remember doing the pivot shift test on you and it was actually, uh, it was gapping. Yeah. 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 So that was the case, I think, in 2016. And then somewhere in 2017, I've grown some new tissue. So... At the um, I discussed with the physio, who was a good guy, and we've now developed a professional relationship. Um, I said, let's get an MRI and have a look. So the next day I got an MRI. We had to wait 48 hours to get the results. Results come back, and this is two days before I meant to go in for surgery. Uh, cruciate ligament intact. So I'd regrown my ACL ligament. Not a variation of it showed, did say some tissue scarring, but I'd regrown the cruciate ligament. So it reattached. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the original ligament was there, but when it beca- where it had become torn, it had reattached and become stable. Yeah. But, but well, you should point out that um, when you look at an MRI, on the MRI there was no ligament. So it appeared absent. Obviously, there were some fibres there, but as far as an MRI is concerned, original test two weeks after injury, gone. Ten months later, it's yeah, back. It's, back with a vengeance. You pulled a rabbit out of your hat. So, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've still got some meniscal 
scarring and damage there but that will continue healing and everyone I've spoken to physio and other colleagues like yourself say keep doing what we're doing and that will continue to improve over the next six month period so what an amazing story so I've, I've regrown the ACL I fully exercise um, and every now and then what, what do I feel every now and then my knee gets a little bit of a niggle on one side of it and I think that's the meniscus letting me know there's still some repair happening yeah uh, like I think it's such a cool story because we didn't do like when we set out to treat you I wasn't treating you to actually uh, fix the ACL no. we were just trying to get you as well balanced as possible getting you adjusted exactly. and getting you as comfortable as possible you know so and helping my body to deal here. with this traumatic incident which had caused rupturing of tissues uh, so that my body could get on with the healing process as best it, as best it could now, how do you feel about people saying that this is just a coincidence and that this does happen from time to time, even though it's extraordinarily rare? Uh, I looked at a study last night that said it might be uh, one in a hundred. One in a hundred, yeah, yeah. That's what I was quoted. And uh, yeah. the first thing, yeah, was physio said, geez, you're lucky. You're just lucky. It must be because you braced it straight afterwards. Yeah. Um, and I would say that luck's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, I agree. If That's my intuition. Yeah. But maybe we're positively reinforcing our own beliefs. But I would argue that and say that, uh, that we, we, you yourself, Andrew, and um, that you put your body in a, its best capacity to heal. And it did that. And it decided to, your body's own innate wisdom... Uh, looked looked at what was going on and it tried to actually stabilize your knee from inside out, not outside in, which was an amazing thing. And so I'd be interested to talk to some of the other people. And I've I've only ever treated one other guy. I've got to tell you this: that was in the same boat as you, who's a patient of mine. And he said after six months to a year that his knee came good, and he didn't get the operation as well. So I don't know if we never did an MR follow up MRI with him. I think that'd be a great idea to have a look at. And um, since then, I've spoken to a couple of my clients who, and they're like, oh, same thing. You are so lucky. How did that happen? And I've told them my story and the work I put in to to try and get that repair process happening, not with the intention of that in particular, but just thinking I need to get back on track and get my body in as good working order as possible because I've got a business to run. (laughs) (laughs) Needs. Essentially, it's become one of those um, buzzwords now. We always get caught on buzzwords, but it's almost like it's prehab, not rehab, you know, like we're just putting your body in the... um, best position so even after the operation you would bounce back really well mm-hmm. and uh but as it turned out a, you know a small you know chiropractic sort of miracle happened and you know i believe that um and it's okay for us to believe that uh but we see other things like that happen all the time all don't the time. we you yeah. know so that's the tough part is that uh the the, the doubters and the naysayers will say it's coincidence but I guess our lives, we see other things like that happen, so it's not a surprise to us. No. Well, all health and healing comes from the inside um, and, and something coming from the outside isn't health and healing per se, is it? 
Yeah. It's a replacement of something that wasn't working so well. So it's my suspicion, and maybe that's not a good word, it's my belief that this sort of thing happens at a higher rate than one in a hundred. It's just that on the very small amount of study that's been done, that was the statistic they come up with, one in a hundred. I was a bit disappointed with that, Mick, because I like to think that I'm one in a million. You um, are in your own special way, Andrew. <laughs> we're own, all special. In your yeah. own special way, mate. Um, but a lot of people, either A, um, if you're a young person competing in competitive sport, I certainly understand. And if it had been me, I probably would have done a knee reco within a month to get back to playing the following year. Um, but I think for people who aren't in that situation, uh, if you give it the time and the work to put into allowing your body to heal as best it can, there would be a much higher incidence of tissue regrowth than what is currently believed. Good on you, mate. Well said. Uh, I think um, I think that's about it today. Uh, we were going to talk about some paediatric cases. Uh, but That'll I, be the next one. That, I think we'll do that next time around. So we thought we'd share that story. Really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we, you know, we, we love telling you it because we sort of lived it and Andrew lived it himself. So uh, till next time, I uh, hope you enjoy your day. And a big thanks to you and my other support staff crew too. Yeah. So thank you yeah. very much. Muchas gracias. Yeah, uh, I can't remember that in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know it means thank you, but I don't know you're welcome. Uh, de nada. De nada. De nada. Yeah, there you go. All the best. Bye. Bye.